You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today, we have a guest speaker. Well, thank you, Rob. Um, It's my privilege to introduce to you Ian this morning. He'll be preaching as our guest preacher, and uh, he was with us all weekend. This is Ian McConnell, and speaking at our men's conference, which was absolutely wonderful. Am I right, guys, about that? Yeah, great. It was a great time. Yes. I see ladies clapping, so there must have already been some effects uh, that when he, when he came home, he was a new guy. So we, uh, we did our best to help you ladies. So at any rate, uh, so Ian uh, is, uh, came in for the conference, um, preaching this morning. He uh, grew up, I don't know if he'll reference this, grew up in uh, inner city Philadelphia and then pastored there for a couple of decades plus uh, in Philadelphia, and then a year and a half ago moved to San Jose, California. And uh, he is helping to plant a church there, which I guess officially kind of launches in 2024. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he's helping to get a church plant started there. We are a part, if you're new here, you may not know this, we're a part of a new denomination called Trinity Fellowship Churches. And uh, our elders uh, have selected Ian uh, to be the president of our denomination. So he's very involved in helping us kind of come together and form this new denomination. As a matter of fact, our, a number of our pastors from Trinity Fellowship Churches will be here in our building this week uh, because we're having our annual general assembly together, and so he's staying over for that. So the timing was great, but it meant that you're a week away from your family, so thanks for giving a whole week, and, and thank Rachel for that, uh, for giving, lending, us, uh, lending you to us for that, that time. Um, so anyway, Ian and I have known each other for, uh, I think, we've about 17 years or so. We've been good friends. We've served together um, in a previous denomination on a leadership team together. So we have, uh, we've really worked closely together, mm-hmm. and I so respect you, man. When Ian's coming here, and many of you know him, he's a friend. Um, and I think those of you who were here this weekend really felt that. One of our uh, three foundational kind of values or commitments uh, in Trinity Fellowship churches is that our churches are connectional. And so I felt like that was really demonstrated when you spoke to us this weekend because he wasn't just some random guest speaker out on the circuit that we found out about and brought in, but uh, he's really connected to us in a meaningful way. And I think it really showed when you pastored our guys, you, you didn't just deliver, they were powerful messages. But you didn't just deliver powerful messages. You, uh, you shepherded us through the word. And we could feel your heart, uh, not only for the Lord, but for us, man. Amen. So thank you for your heart for us. Um, thank you for uh, being with us. It's a, it's a joy to have you. Let's just get it out of the way right now. Yes, the, Phil, uh, the uh, Eagles and Cowboys are playing this afternoon. <laughs> yes, he's the, yes, he's the Got most. Got my Eagle socks yes. on. He, I love everything you about this man, up. but he is an idolater when it comes to <laughs> So we're, you can pray for his repentance. But uh, so we're going to watch the game together at the star. And so he will be, uh, we just pray he makes it out alive. And uh, <laughs> so in his, in his Eagles gear out there. But anyway, hey, we love you, man. Oh, love Thanks you for too. being with us, brother. And let's welcome Ian as he brings the word. Oh, good morning, church. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Or to give you my Philly greeting, how you doing? (laughs) Some of you still need to learn what you're supposed to do when I say that. You're not supposed to laugh at me. 
You're supposed to respond by saying, how you doing? Let's try it again. How you doing? How you doing? Excellent. A lot better now. <laughs> now, it honestly, it's so good to be with you. And there are a number of reasons why my heart is glad to be with you this morning, Grace Church. There's a personal reason. Personally, I, I just really love to be with your pastors and your leaders. Craig, as he's already noted, is one of my dear friends and I love being with Craig and Aaron and Rob and Caleb. I love serving with Tim and FJ. And I, I love your church. And it was an honor and a joy to be here serving with your leaders to the men in the men's conference. And any opportunity I have to preach God's word or even just to worship with you is a personal privilege. There's also a denominational reason. I am so grateful for our partnership together in Trinity Fellowship Churches. We believe that pastors need pastors and churches need churches to be faithful and fruitful in what God has called us to do. So to be connected like we're connected is a great privilege, a great honor. And let me just thank you ahead of time for your hospitality, for providing space this week for us to conduct our, general, our annual general, general assembly. Um, but there's also a spiritual reason why I'm glad to be here. And I can really honestly say this in any church. Don't take offense to that. We just sang it. We are bound together by the blood. You're my family. You're my brothers and my sisters. And one day, even though we are separated by geography at this moment, one day there will be an unbelievable family reunion in the new heavens and new earth. When people from every tribe, tongue, and nation who've been washed by the blood of the Lamb gather together in the most amazing, loud worship gathering, singing worthy is the Lamb who is slain. I get to be there with you then. So this is a little foretaste of that. So it's good to be with you. Would you take your Bible now and go to Romans chapter 11. I want to preach to you a message this morning entitled God's Mission and Ours as I have an opportunity to make a deposit into you with the word of God this morning, I'm hoping that this particular kind of message is not just inspirational, not just informational, but doxological. I'm hoping that this teaching this morning stirs your heart to participate in God's great mission. Let us hear the word of God, Romans 11 Verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word by the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Kids, in general, ask a lot of questions. But my three kids, they would ask an unending stream of questions. I'm convinced that if, if question asking were an Olympic event, our three kids would have swept the podium, gold, silver, and bronze. On, on any given day, um, we were asked a barrage of questions, questions that honestly were actually simple to answer. Like, Dad, do we have any Pop-Tarts? 
Is that a rhetorical question? In the McConnell household, we view Pop-Tarts as modern-day manna. Some questions I was amazed that they would ask. Uh, one night I'm putting my oldest to bed, and this is when he was in kindergarten. And as I'm getting ready to pray with him, he goes, Dad, I have a question. If God is in control of everything, why did he let Adam and Eve sin? I'm like, ask Craig Cabanus. <laughs> Some questions I like to defer to my wife. Like, Daddy, where do babies come from? <laughs> Life is full of questions, and we don't stop asking them when we grow up, right? The questions just get harder and deeper, and our longing for answers become intense. Here's one of the biggest, deepest, most profound questions that the human soul ever asks, and I'm sure you've asked it in some form, in some way. Why am I here? I'm sure you've asked it. I'm sure you've thought of it. I've thought, I'm sure you've pondered it. Why am I here? What am I here for? What's it all about? I mean, every eight seconds, a new baby is born into this world. At this present moment, there are 8.1 billion people on God's planet Earth. Why? Why? In short, here's the answer. Here's why they're here. Here's why I'm here. Here's why we're all here. We are here for a mission. Every single one of us has been placed on this earth with a divine agenda. Every single blood-pumping heart in this room has been created to beat for a particular cause. Every single brain cell and central nervous system has been crafted to think and feel for a particular mission. And every set of hands and feet have been designed to go and do and engage in a God-ordained work. You were made to live and move and have your being with a specific goal in view. You exist for a mission. So what is the mission? Is it worship? It's part of it, but not all of it. Is it loving God and loving your neighbors? It's part of it, but not all of it. Is it making disciples and establishing healthy churches and planting new churches like you're about to do? It's part of it, but not all of it. Is it taking the gospel to the unreached people groups of the earth? Again, it's part of it, but not all of it. The mission we exist for involves all of this, but it's much bigger than this, much broader than this. These are simply means of accomplishing a greater purpose, a more significant agenda, a bigger mission, if you will. So what is it? What is the mission we exist for? And I believe the best way to answer that question, what is our mission, is to begin with a more fundamental question. What is God's mission? What is God up to? What is God up to at this very moment? What has God been up to for all eternity? What is God up to all throughout the world and the created cosmos? And what will God be up to forever and ever and ever? I believe when we find the answer to that question, what is God doing? I think we will find the answer to our question. What are we supposed to be doing? What's our mission? Why am I here? Because my friends, 
I would like to argue this morning, we need to be about what God is all about. So what is the mission of God? To answer this really big question, we have a really big book. And believe me, it speaks about this mission from cover to cover. From Genesis to Revelation, the answer is loud and clear. But I have one sermon. So I would like to unpack the answer from one verse. Romans 11, verse 36, I believe best summarizes the answer. Not in all of its nuance, but at its nucleus. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. This is one of the grandest statements in all of Paul's writings. And its place in chapter 11 of the book of Romans uh, indicates that it functions as kind of a crescendo to everything he's said up to this moment. He's just spent 11 chapters writing about why the gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest news ever. Do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest news ever? Well, Paul did too. <laughs> In chapters 1 through 3, Paul has communicated why he's ready to preach the gospel and why every sinner in the world needs the gospel. In chapters 4 through 11, Paul has communicated why the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus must be believed as gospel. And how this gospel not only changes the record of your past, not only the position of yourself before God in the present, but your final destination in the future. And after all that is said that needs to be said about this glorious gospel, here's what Paul says. For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. This is not an overstatement. This is not an exaggeration. This is not apostolic chest beating. In this one verse, Paul not only states what the gospel of Jesus is all about, he encapsulates what everything is about. Everything's about this. Everything exists for this. Everything exists to accomplish this mission for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Who's the him? Well, it's the triune God. One God who exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Same in essence, distinct in person. So in other words, what Paul is saying is for from the triune God and through the triune God and to the triune God are all things. To the triune God be glory forever. This is really what it's all about. Listen to New Testament scholar Thomas Schreiner make the following comment about the scope of this truth contained in this one single verse. He says, God is the source of all things, the means by which all things are accomplished, and the goal of all things. God is the source, the means, and the goal of what? Everything. Everything. Everything comes from him, everything is accomplished by him, and everything is ultimately accomplished and done for him. In other words, ready? It's all about him. So what's this say about God's mission? Very simply, it's this. 
God does all that he does for the glory of God. That's God's mission. God's mission is to do all to the glory of God. In other words, God exists to make much of God. So what's this tell us about our mission? God's mission defines our mission. Our mission flows from God's mission. We are here. You are here. Grace Church is here to join God in making much of God. That's your mission. That's our mission. Our mission is to join God in doing all to the glory of God. Whether you're eating or you're drinking or whatever you're doing, do it all to the glory of God. In other words, we could say it this way. We exist to join God in making much of God. I was telling the men this weekend that I like to summarize my sermons in a single sentence every time I preach. Well, here's that summary sentence for this sermon. We exist to join God in making much of God. That's the mission. So let me give you, that's Romans 11.36. Now for the remainder of my time, let me just give you three proofs from the sweeping teaching of Scripture why we exist to join God in making much of God. Here's the first one. You were made for this. You were made to make much of God. In Genesis chapter 1, we find the creation account, and there God creates and he evaluates. On days 1 through 3, he creates spaces and places, light and darkness, the skies, water and land. And then on days 4 through 6, he uses his creative power to fill those spaces and places with life, plants and trees, the sun and moon and stars and birds and sea creatures and animal life and wildlife and Adam and Eve. Now, at the end of each day, after he creates, he evaluates. He looks at what he made, and what does he say? It is good. In other words, I like it. It's good. I like it. Have you ever thought, why does God like what he sees? Why does God, at the end of the creation account, after he creates Adam and Eve, look at all that he's made and not just say it's good, he says it's very good. I really like it. I really like it. Why does God like what he sees? Here's why. All of God's works display God's wonder. All of God's works display God's wonder. This is what creation is all about. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day unto day, utter the speech, night unto night she cries, saying what? The God who made us is glorious. I mean, if the sun had a voice that you could hear, maybe you would hear the sun say something like this. You think I'm bright? You think I'm beautiful? You think I'm radiant? I am but a faint glimmer of the one who made me like this. If the mountains had a voice you could hear, maybe you'd hear them say, you think we're big? You think we're strong? You think we're immovable? We are nothing compared to the one who made us like this. Oh, listen, church, from the smallest molecule to the largest supernova, all of creation exists to make much of the creator. All God's works 
display God's wonder. That's the mission of the created universe, which includes you. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, let us make man in our image. Oh, what a holy moment. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit come together and they, 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 they have a conference and they, they decide together that they will make human beings like them. And my friends, it's a deep theological pool to jump into to discuss all the nuances and implications of what it means to be made in the image of God. But it at least means two things, very broadly speaking. It means we have a great privilege and a great responsibility. Here's the great privilege. We were made in God's image so that we could connect and commune with the God in whose image we were made. As the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been enjoying communion within the Holy Trinity, being made in the image of God means that we are invited to the party. We are invited to the community group of God to talk with God, to hear from God, to engage from God, to know him, to enjoy him, to hear from him, to engage with him, to be with him. To be made in the image of God, my friends, is a great privilege. But it's also a great responsibility. We've been made in God's image to reflect God's image. We were, we've been made in the image of God to, quite honestly, show off the glory of God. You were made in God's image to take the beautiful, glorious facets of his glory and put them on display through your life. How many of you have ever witnessed a pretty professional fireworks display? Listen, in the city of Philadelphia, the birthplace of America, okay, Texas is great, but we started it all, okay? <laughs> we have some of the most phenomenal fireworks displays on the 4th of July. And we still own our house in Philadelphia, and we have this really cool roof deck on our house that's like a couple blocks away from the art museum, the Rocky Steps. Most people know them as the Rocky Steps. I actually had someone here say, I went and visited it. I ran up the steps. I didn't even know there was a museum there. They're just the Rocky Steps. Well, every 4th of July, there's just a phenomenal fireworks display that's set over top of that museum. And you stand there watching the fireworks display like you've done in other places, just watching the colors of the rainbow be put on display in a very loud and noticeable way. All the reds and the greens and the blues and the yellows. And we just step back like a bunch of mesmerized morons going, ooh, ah, oh. I mean, if there were aliens and they looked down and saw that, they said, okay, we could take them over. You know, <laughs> just come on the 4th of July. Right? But what do fireworks do? What do fireworks do? They, they basically take the colors of the rainbow and they put them on display in a very loud and noticeable way, moving spectators to wonder. My friends, we are a fireworks display of God's glory. We've been created in God's image to show off God's image, to take the many colors of his glory and put them on display through our lives. So that through our lives, his mercy, his love, his grace, his kindness is displayed through us, imaging him forth. His holiness, his, his righteousness, his justice, his wisdom, his honesty, imaged forth from our lives. This was what you were made for, to take God's glory and put it on display through your Life, what gives meaning to your everyday life, whatever your vocation is or is not, wherever you live, wherever you do life, you are there to show off God. You are an image bearer. Now, this even gets a little bit more personal, and I want to be careful because I, I know I realize I have time here. 
that I need to be conscious of. It's not just true about us all in general, but it's true about you in particular. I love the way Psalm 139 paints this. David celebrates that God has made each individual person in a unique and glorious way. Now, there's a way to, sell, there's a way to look at the truth of Psalm 139 in kind of an Oprah Winfrey kind of me, 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 me kind of way. There's also a way to talk about the self that brings God glory because he designed, he designed you. And David says that there's two things that were formed that he's celebrating. First, he celebrates that, that every, in your book are written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, before there was even one of them. In other words, every day of your life, when you were born, when you will die, and everything in between has been designed by God, formed by God. Your days, where you are, when you are, has been formed by God. But more than that, he goes, not only are your days formed by him, but he says, in, he says in, in the hidden parts, in the darkness, in the womb, he formed together your inward parts. Uh, there's a lot of debate on what that inward parts means. Is it talking about your organs? I don't think it is. I think it's talking about the immaterial you, your personality, your disposition, your emotions, your abilities, your proclivities. See, God designed you on the outside and the inside. And as David rejoices in the creative work of God on a very personal, intimate, individual le level, what is his response? I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. My soul knows it very well. Do you? Oh, we live in an age that's so enamored with image. But what's interesting about the age we live in that's enamored with image, it's always enamored with us being shaped into someone else's image. And so we look at Facebook, we look at Instagram, we want to eat what other people eat, wear what other people wear, go where other people go. We want to be someone other than who we are. But here's the good news of the creation story. You have been designed by God on purpose. And you bring a unique contribution to a world filled with image bearers to show off the glory of God. Again, we can talk about this in a way that's very inward, but my friends, I'm here to tell you it's very upward. You've been made to be you on purpose, for a purpose, to, be, to bring a unique contribution to God's glory being seen on this earth. You've been made for this. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You were made to make much of God. Second, you were saved to make much of him who saved you. You're saved for this. God created everything good and for his glory, but sadly creation didn't stay good. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve rebel against their mission. Their mission to make much of their maker. God's mission was for them to make much of him, but they chose to abort the mission and make much of themselves. And that is the essence of sin. Sin is aborting God's mission to do all for the glory of God. Paul says this in Romans. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There it is. Adam and Eve quickly found out that when you rebel against your God-given responsibilities, you not only lose your God-given privileges, you also are in danger of facing God-given judgment. And so they're cursed and kicked out of the garden. But God in his mercy gives the promise in Genesis 3.15 that one day he would send a redeemer. And from the seed of the woman, one who would come that would conquer sin, rescue sinners, crush the head of Satan, and restore his people back to live for the purpose that they were created. 
And so from that point forward, from Genesis 3.15 forward, the Old, in, the Old Testament anticipates the coming of this glorious Redeemer who will restore things. So all throughout the scriptures, there are promises and prophecies and pictures that this glorious Redeemer will be both God and man. He will be a prophet, a priest, and a king. He will be a savior and a servant. And his mission will be to rescue, rule, and restore sinners for the glory of God. So then, in the fullness of time, he comes. The Father sends Jesus from heaven to earth in the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen to the way the Apostle John describes him. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So to behold Jesus was to behold the glory of God on mission. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. To see Jesus is to see of all, to see all of God's beautiful fireworks display of his attributes through one person at one time, through all his life, through all his work. So Paul says of this gospel of Jesus that it is actually the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, meaning this, that through the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that restores and rest, that rescues and restores broken sinners, what's seen more than anything is a beautiful display of God's glory. He gives life that's, he gives he lives the life that sinners can't live, displaying the glory of God's righteousness. He dies the death sinners deserve to die, displaying the glory of God's mercy, justice, love, and grace. He, he rises from the dead, displaying the glory of God's power so that all who repent of their sin and trust in him are forgiven, delivered, and accepted as God's adopted and blessed sons and daughters. Why does he do all of this for undeserving sinners? What was the goal, the aim of his mission to rescue us? Well, there's no place that makes it clearer in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And please bear with me as I read this entire text because it is worth it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which is set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things in earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that for this purpose, for this goal, for the accomplishment of this mission, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. Broken sinners are chosen and adopted by the Father. Broken sinners are redeemed and forgiven through the Son. Broken sinners are sealed and empowered by the Spirit. Why? So that we who hope in Christ might bring God glory. You have been saved. 
to make much of the one who saved you. Our mission is to make much of the glory of God by making much of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you a follower of Jesus this morning? Have you turned from your sins and are you trusting in the accomplishments of Christ's life, death, and resurrection for your salvation? If so, your mission is clear. You've been saved to make much of the one who saved you. You've been forgiven to make much of the one who's forgiven you. You've been redeemed to make much of the one who redeemed you. You've been justified to make much of the one who's justified you. You've been reconciled to make much of the one who's reconciled. You've been adopted to make much of the one who's adopted you. You have been sealed with the Spirit and empowered with gifts for service to make much of the one who sealed you with the Spirit and has empowered you with gifts for service. You have been redeemed to make much of your Redeemer. You are here. I am here. We are here to make much of Jesus. It, takes, it goes one step further, though. What's true about you individually is also true about you collectively. You are a church for this mission. Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The church exists for the glory of God. The mission of the church is to join God in making much of God. Your, your call to worship, Israel's call to worship, is your call to mission. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You have been brought together, Grace Church, to make much of God together. Through your worship, you've been brought together to make much of God. Through your service, you've been brought together to make much of God. Frisco needs to know that God is glorious and you are here, praise God. You built that commons to make much of God in this neighborhood. You're going to send Rob and Michelle to Anna with those of you who are going with them to plant that church. Why? Yes, Anna needs the gospel more than anything. They need to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So you're sending them to make much of Jesus. You're caring for orphans to make much of Jesus. You are praying for the nations to make much of Jesus. Church, you do all that you do, from the smallest task to organize yourself as a church on mission, caring for the kids, singing the songs, doing the audio and visual, getting out there in the trenches and sharing the good news of Christ through evangelism. All of that contributes to this great purpose. You exist to make much of God. Grace Church, do not forget your marching orders. Grace Church, do not forget your mission. You are not here to make much of you. You are here to make much of God. You're made for this. You're saved for this. You're joined together as a church for this. Grace Church, you exist to join God in making much of God. For from Him, and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org. 